podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger Podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along to another Cricket Badger podcast. We've got the exciting England against West Indies series. It's tantalisingly poised at one all going into the third test match at Old Trafford. And uh, we are going to go through our various tips with Graham Hardcastle and preview the third test match. But before we do that, a big thank you to tvsportsblog.com for the support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Much appreciated during these COVID times. Give them a follow on Twitter as well, at TV Sports Blog. But let's get into the chat. It's an exciting series. It's one apiece. And joining me, as always, on this podcast, looking ahead to the third test this time, it's Graham Harcastle, who celebrated England's win today, not by going out on the Raz or doing anything too extraordinary. His two-year-old daughter dressed him up as a princess. How are you, Graham? Very well, thank you. It takes all sorts, doesn't it? You're on my video on, on Zoom at the moment, and thankfully you've gone out of your dress and you're back in your T-shirt, so uh, we'll crack on with the cricket. What, thankfully, it was just one of those Disney Princess magazine things that aren't actually real. So yeah, there was uh, there was nothing to wash off or anything like that. Uh, next time, next time. I'll, I'll, buy, I'll buy her a present for her birthday and she can dress you up properly. Um, and then we will, we will video chat um, on the uh, on the podcast. It'll be a vidcast, and everybody can see you in all your glory. It's that badger style. Let's have a quick look back to the second Test match at Old Trafford. England obviously winning today by 113 runs, and I felt that the West Indies deserved to win at the Aegeus Bowl. And I felt that England deserved to win the second test match. I thought it was as close to the blueprint that English cricket needs as, as you could get, really. Batting big in the first inning, steering the game from there, and they got their just for desserts for it. I've seen more Toy Story over the last few days than, than this test match, but I, I've caught enough to get the idea that England were the, were the dominant force. I mean, I, you know, I've seen highlights and things like that. Stokes was just absolutely breathtaking, wasn't he? In in both innings, really, and their bowling was seemed to be very, very kind of proficient and 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 professional alongside that that bit of X factor that that Stuart Broad provided, and we probably expected him to provide it, didn't we? He was he was always going to be fired up for this match, having having missed out at, at the Aegeus Bowl. Let's go into the rotation element of the third Test match team. We don't, obviously don't know at this stage, um, even who the thirteen is. But my hunch during this summer, with six Test matches in seven weeks, is that England are, are playing it canny. Obviously, coming into this series with no cricket for a, a significant period, they're very aware that Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson are not old fogies by any means, but are, are getting on in years in cricket terms. And I think that they'll probably play three test matches each this summer and they will lead the attack separately in each of those test matches. And I think that we can see Jimmy coming into the third test match and Stuart Broad having to sit down again and be interviewed by Sky potentially. It's going to be interesting to see how they tackle it. But I could see, realistically, none of the seamers that have done so well in the second test match actually taking the field in the third test match. Joffre Wood and and, uh, Jimmy coming back in. First of all, I, I agree that rotation has to be part of it. I'm going to contradict myself slightly here when I say that with the series on the line, your best bowlers have to play. The view for me is that Anderson and Broad 
both have to play this next test match. The contradiction comes in the fact that I would include Jofra Archer amongst England's best bowlers. However, I think he should be left out. The, the reason I say that is that it was a ridiculous mistake for him to make, you know, in between test matches going home to Hove and things like that. A mistake, yes, I accept that, and he should get a second chance. But he should also be made to realise that there are significant consequences for his action. And therefore, I think after a, it would have been completely different had it not been, had they kind of drawn or, or lost the test match. It would have been a little bit of a different theory. I know people will jump down their throats and, and, and kind of say, well, you've got to make a stand regardless of the result. But I think that they can afford to leave him out of this next test match and almost say to him, this was a series that you were desperate to play in. However, you've made a mistake and you've got to pay for it. You see, I, I'm going down a different route to that. My initial hunch when I when I heard what he'd done was, oh, yeah, fair enough. Um, it's a mistake. Let's let's get on with it. Then I, I thought about it. I was on commentary that day and we talked about it a lot. I actually argued against myself on air kind of thing and changed my mind. You know, the potential for that to go wrong. They've got protocols in place which are... Nailed down ad infinitum. They spent a long time on, on the protocols to get them past government and to get these, this test series on. I think the ECB, who I have been open to criti- to criticise in the past, I think they've done a, a, an amazing job this summer to get this series on and to make it safe and to jump through all the hoops that the scientists and the politicians require them to do. And obviously, you know, anything up to £100 million was, was muted as being the potential repercussions of, of COVID outbreak and the, and the series being cancelled. But then I obviously saw them give the fine and the the warning, the written warning to Joffre, um, which seems to be the the only punishment he's, he's going to get. The the fact that he's been in his hotel room for five days was nothing to do with being suspended. It was because of the protocols and he had to be isolated for five days and two COVID tests, which um, he's passed the first one, I think, and hopefully he'll pass the second one and everything will be fine. But it comes down to me, having said all of that, and as it you know, as I said, a flippity-flopped between two arguments, that what good does it do anybody to kind of throw the book at Joffrey Archer? He knows he's done wrong. He's apologised for it. He won't do that again. I think there's a positive from it in that it's going to give a message out to all of the other players on both sides that you can't trifle with the, the rules. Does it actually achieve anything by suspending Joffrey any further or not picking him? I don't think it does. I think he comes back into the squad... They welcome him back in and, and everything's as it was for me. And obviously, if, if he transgresses again, then you throw the book at him. But I think this time, I think there's the scope just to get on with it and, and to carry on. Yeah, I, I can I can see that argument. And, and to, be, to be honest, I, I haven't really got a, a strong view either way on it. I, you know, I, I wouldn't complain if they played him. Although I do, I do wonder whether it is just an opportunity to actually kind of make sure that things have just worked out ideally for them, almost to make sure that he doesn't make that mistake again. Here and now, draw a line in the sand, say, right, we've kind of punished you. Yes, it's over. But team selection-wise, you don't almost need to bring up the the corona the you know the coronavirus breaking the bubble, et cetera, et cetera. Just leaving him out almost shows that you've almost made a mistake, and these are the kind of consequences that come from making a mistake. You've made it at a time when you've allowed somebody else to come in, perform well, win a Test match for England, and I'm I'm sorry, mate, but you're struggling to get back in. 
you know, we've got so many options that we can we can rest and rotate and, and throw up so many permutations within a team and then and then you just kinda of move on and start the Pakistan series, a couple of weeks down the line, everything's a little bit forgotten start again and, and off you go he's firing and ready to prove a point almost I, I, I totally see that as well and uh, like you I don't think I'd lose any sleep if he was in or out of that third test match side to be honest I think if he played he'll, he'll do a job if he doesn't play somebody else will come in because England have got a, a real strength in depth and, and the luxury that that brings I think at, at times Graham that Joffre's charm is his biggest downfall in a way you know he's got that kind of very laid back personality you see him interviewed he's a, he's a lovely bloke um, comes across as quietly softly spoken and I know he's popular in the England dressing room I don't think there's any issues there either he's almost so horizontal that you know, whereas everybody else was poring over the rules and listening to the instructions he probably got his earphones on and was planning his trip to to Hove wasn't he and yeah, yeah, it's... yeah. Look at the end. At the end of the day, it's a mistake that is nothing in the grand scheme of things. It's nothing major. It's not as if he's been done for bot fixing or or any anything like that. It's nowhere near as serious as that. It's just a silly error. I mean, and it could it could have been serious though. It could have been serious though, couldn't it? If if he if he if he contracted COVID and brought it into the England camp, that that's the series gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. It's, it's, I suppose with that with that kind of error, it's only really once the the, the worst happens that you you kind of you realise the gravitas of the mistake, isn't it? Because because nothing nothing's gone wrong. No no, no issues have come from it. In a way, that's the good. That, that's almost a positive. It's the positive that they've got away with it in a way, or Joffre's got away with it, and it hasn't been worse. But the fact that. It's been on all the papers. Everybody's been talking about it. Joffre's been isolated for five days from the squad. It just rams it home for the rest of the summer to every single player in both sets of camps that actually this is serious what we've come into here. We need to actually maybe read yeah. some rules and actually listen in meetings and, and take it on, you know, take it all on board. Otherwise, that could be me next time. Yeah, yeah. If you kind of match fix or, or spot fix or whatever, it's serious. Whichever way around you look at it, it's massively serious. This is a kind of minor mistake that could have that could have boiled into something huge, but it hasn't done. The Cricket Badger Podcast is brought to you in association with TVSportsBlog.com. Excellent sporting content. It's well worth a look and give them a follow on Twitter at TVSportsBlog. Let's move into the actual scores from the Test match. Then England four hundred sixty-nine for nine, which centred around. Dom Sibley and Ben Stokes. Sibley 120, Ben Stokes 176. We saw a 40 from Joss Butler as well and a 31 not out at the end by Dom Best. But what we got this time, Graham, that we didn't get last time and we talked about on the last podcast, we got batsmen getting starts and taking root at the crease and staying there and going big. And, you know, Ben Stokes is 176. Terrific innings, showing restraint. Dom Sibley showing those powers of concentration that we're starting to realise that he's got. It wasn't pretty. You're probably not going to rush out and buy a Dom Sibley England shirt with Sibley on the back and buy the video highlights of his innings and because most of them are leave alone shots. But they are massively important shots for an opening batsman and it's exactly what England need at the top of the order. Somebody to be solid and somebody to lay that foundation so they can ultimately go on and get 469 or something like that. doesn't matter how you get them. As long as you get them off piece, like we take a, a completely different sport, and 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 my kind of football in love is Bolton Wanderers and the glory days of, of Bolton Wanderers. My my happiest times were watching them under the the kind of Sam Allardyce leadership when they bullied, battered, and bruised the bigger teams 
Yes, they played some good football, but it, it was direct. It was all. It was almost a, a kind of poor man's Liverpool in a sense because they they're very direct and, and at you, aren't they? And I, I doesn't didn't bother me that they weren't playing amazing football. I just wanted results, and almost that is exactly what Dom Sibley has provided. He's provided results. That innings has has gone, if not winning one the Test match, but it has gone. A heck of a long way to doing so. Well, the, the thing that won England the Test match was the partnership with Stokes of 260 for the fourth wicket. England could have been in trouble, 81 for three. And those two combined, Stokes played within himself. And I think a large part of that was Sibley and him combined really nicely to understand the track and, and to put those runs on the board and to take England to, to, to 469 for nine. The West Indies, they started off okay. And it was that second new ball when Broad and Wokes took that second new ball and ripped through the uh, the kind of lower order of the West Indies. They just managed to get past the follow-on mark, um, which was obviously important in terms of the match situation, but Broad and Wokes taking three wickets, Curran taking two. And then England, obviously this morning, finishing off their second innings, 129 for three, with again, that man Stokes opening the innings this time, 78 of 57 balls. It meant that uh, the West Indies chasing 312 to win never really looked like going for that or, or, or competing in terms of winning the match themselves. But for a long time, it looked like they might just hang on in there. Um, Shamrock Brooks with uh, 62, continuing to look really good. Um, 55 from uh, Jermaine Blackford and 35 from Jason Holder. But... We saw wickets come just at the right time for England. Three more for Stuart Broad, two for Chris Wokes, two for Bess, two for Ben Stokes. Man of the map, Ben Stokes. My question for you, Graham, he just keeps getting better. How good is Ben Stokes? How good can he be? And is he the best player in the world at the moment? He's got to be a candidate. Yeah, he's the best player in the world at the moment by a country mile. He would be the first name on my team sheet without a shadow of a doubt. And... I, I half wonder whether if you gave him the wicket-keeping gloves, he wouldn't do a, a bad job <laughs> either. He, he, he's that type, isn't he? He just seems any, anything you ask him to do, he almost seems to do it and, and leave people almost amazed at his ability. He was just exceptional. The second innings was, was perhaps more impressive than the first because it was a completely alien situation that he found himself in against the new ball. He had to kind of crash the new ball around and he's done it. Yeah, and he's the only you know, I, player in that test match that on a on a fairly slow track at Old Trafford, it wasn't your typical Old Trafford track, was it? He's the only player that actually managed to launch an assault and actually sustain an assault. Some players scored sixes and fours, but Ben yeah. Stokes actually attacked throughout. Blackwood did it to a certain degree today, didn't he? Yeah, um, true. You know, through the middle of the day, he kind of got off to a little bit of a flyer and it was that fifth wicket partnership, wasn't it, where they kind of went from 40 for four to 220 all for four, something like that. He kind of went through the gears, but th- that was only a, a kind of snapshot of, a, of an hour and a half. I mean, Stokes did it for hours on end and was just breathtaking. He just, he just continues to amaze. What was one of your questions there? Can he get better? Well, if he, if he can get better, it's going to be a hell of a watch, isn't it? And where he's come from as well, you know, the four sixes from Brathwaite, the Bristol incident, you know, what, front pages of newspapers rather than back pages of newspapers, some real lows for him um, over the last few years. And to come from there, I tweeted out earlier that, you know, those kind of incidents could finish careers. You know, you could go lose confidence and go out the game as a result of, of, of things like that. But he's taken those on the chin. He's kind of regrouped. He's obviously a family man as well. You know, you, you listen to the guys in the England camp. He works harder than anybody else. 
He cares about the other people in there. He, he obviously leads from the front and they all look towards him now as their inspiration. And I'm not saying he should be captain, but I think he's the perfect vice captain. You know, for, for to root to have him next to him at slip, seeking his advice, the players looking up to him and, and trying to emulate him. I think he's the perfect vice captain for Joe Root and he's just got such an influence on that side. Let's not beat around the bush. I mean, he, he could do a fantastic captain's job if you gave him that job. However, I agree that he shouldn't be given the job. I don't mind Root as captain. I think he's a he's an improving leader who has who has kind of overseen some some excellent results, winning in Sri Lanka, winning in South Africa, things like that. I mean, last summer, yes, it wasn't a a winning Ashes series, but it wasn't a losing one either. And he helped his team to to kind of get the the best out of, of that series they could in the end. So I have absolutely no problems with Joe Root as a captain. And I, I think that, you know, with everything that Stokes provides to the team, he, at, at the moment, he provides enough. So leave him to it. Let him fly as a player. Let him have that influence on the side, that leadership influence. And I actually, th- I, I actually don't think it's a bad thing, actually. And I, I hope that, that at some point Stokes kind of sits down with Archer, in a sense, you know, that wouldn't surprise me if that was a conversation. Just to say, you know, look, you've made a mistake. This is almost how you come back from things like that. I'm not comparing the mistakes. Don't get me wrong, but both players have made mistakes and and Archer has to come back now, doesn't he? He has to show a little bit of what he's made of. That's one of the things Ben Stokes said in the week, wasn't it? That, you know, the England team needs to rally around Joffrey Archer and, and look after him a little bit because, you, you know, in, in these days of mental health being important, well-being and of players, yeah. you know, you can isolate somebody in a room for, in a hotel room for five days and kind of knock on their door at the end of it and they're, they're basically a broken man. Yeah, almost. I mean, so they, they've got to kind of pay attention yeah, to that. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a very good point and, and perhaps one I didn't really kind of consider when, when saying that maybe this isn't a bad chance, a bad opportunity to to kind of ram home that, that idea that, you know, you've made a mistake and these are the consequences for it. Maybe maybe on that basis, mental health and all that kind of stuff, maybe it is not. <laughs> on the flip side of it, an opportunity to, to play him and to, to kind of lift him up a bit, really, yeah. at the earliest available opportunity. I mean, and you're quite right with Stokes. I mean, you, you don't have to be captain to be a leader, and he's a leader, isn't he? You know, he's, he's a leader, whatever yeah, yeah. role you put him in. And, and to make him captain... It probably wouldn't change anything he did at all. I think he's a massive positive influence on that England side. And I, I think it's a case of if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's that Badger style. Let's have a look at a stat that I've got for you here. We talked to actually in, in a podcast a couple of times ago about England's inability to start a series well. And this stat kind of rams it home, really. Since the start of 2018, nine test matches. England have won two and lost seven of their first test matches. And then second test matches, they've won five, drawn three, and only lost one of the second test matches in the se- in the series. How, yeah. do you, how do you explain that? That England are so bad in first test matches and then almost need that disappointment to galvanise themselves and bounce back in, in test match number two? You could almost do with them losing a warm-up game, couldn't you? That would be the answer. <laughs> I don't know. It's difficult to explain. I, I haven't really got an answer for you. It's a really strange it's something they need to Yeah, something they need to sort out because because you're not always going to come back from, from losing positions, are you? you, know, you could, it could be as simple as there's a three-match series, you, you lose the first one, and then, and then the next two test matches are heavily rain-affected, and, and there you go, bam, you've lost the series. 
regardless of the length of the series, obviously the shorter, the harder it is to come back. But you just you just put yourself up against it from the start, don't you? If you lose the first yeah, test you do, match, yeah. you, you're behind everything. The other yeah, team's I mean, driving it. You go one nil down in Australia, for example, even though it's five match series, hard to come back from. They're kind of media, and, and everybody will ram it down your throats. You know, in the taxis or or whatever. You know, I remember my first time in Australia. I landed at Brisbane in two thousand six seven. I, I went down to to cover that series. Landed in Brisbane about a week out from the series, got in a taxi at the airport. What are you here for, mate? Oh, I'm here for the cricket. Oh, you've got absolutely no chance. You <laughs> want to drop you off at, uh, at departures, you know. Do you want to go back? You've got absolutely no chance. That kind of thing. The, the Masters at it. So, so I, wouldn't like, I wouldn't like England to start slowly in an Ashes series down under. Fed up of collecting your team's matchday subs? Worried about carrying cash post-COVID-19? Try slateapp.co.uk. Less contact than contactless. Slate, the smartest way to collect weekly match fees and more. Download the app, slateapp.co.uk. Not just for cricket, any clubs that collect subs. It just makes sense. Stick it on the slate. slateapp.co.uk. Let's have a look ahead to the third test match then. England have obviously levelled the series. It's all to play for. West Indies effectively only need a draw to take the Wisdom Trophy back home to the Caribbean. England need a win to get that trophy off Jason Holder. England start the test match at 1-2. The West Indies are 7-1 to win the third test match. And the draw is 11-4. to There is forecast to be a little bit of rain about, probably about the same amount as we've seen in test matches one and two, to be honest, which hasn't affected the ability to get results in those two test matches. But considering the, the dominance of West Indies in pretty much every discipline in the first test match, considering how England have bounced back, it's been a fairly even series overall. England go into test match three with momentum, but West Indies seven to one? Yeah, it, do, it does seem a bit, a bit steep, doesn't it? And a bit generous. The momentum's with England, there's no doubt about that. And England are the better side in home conditions. And so all, all the odds are stacked in their favour. However, 7-1, to one, it's worth a little bit of a dabble, isn't it? I think one of the differences between the two sides so far is the rotation of the bowlers. Look at Shannon Gabriel. I know he was your pick for the second test match. We'll come on to those in a second. But he looked like the tin man out of the Wizard of Oz when he was starting his spell um, at the start of the test match. He looked like he was as stiff as a board. He looked like they needed to bathe him in WD-40 for a week to try and get something, some kind of limber back into his body. And he was bowling Steve Harmison wide. He was all over the shop at the start of that uh, that yeah. innings. And yeah. that that is purely because he's been out of cricket for so long, come back and he's got back-to-back test matches, and he is finding it hard to recover after games. Yeah, and he, he, yeah, I'd be absolutely amazed if he plays in, in this third test match. Let's have a look back to our bets for the uh, second test because we've actually got some winners this time. We can celebrate a little bit. You went for, with your 20 units, you went for seven on Joe Root to top score. Now, I think it was the right play. We both went Joe Root, but he was a test match behind everybody else. He wasn't too bad, but he, he wasn't quite the Joe Root that we know and love. And I think he probably needs a test match under his belt before we back him. And that might be in this podcast. You went, though, with Ben Stokes as well, with three of your units to top score for England. He did that and then some with 176. So you took him with... Uh, did, did, I, did I not steer clear of the, the top bat and go seven on Joe Root to score a century and three on to score a century. You, I'm sure I did. You, we mentioned that market, but then when you actually confirmed your bets, you said to top score. Ah, right. Okay, fair enough. And you went with uh, three on Stokes at four to one to uh, top score, and he did so. 
You also went with Brooks. And I'll tell you what, our Brooks bets, Shamrod Brooks, I think, looks a real player. Looks good, doesn't he? I really like him. But he's just missing out on all of the markets at the moment. He's getting runs, but he's just missing out. Um, And and you went for Shannon Gabriel. and Obviously, Royston Chase was the top bowler for the West Indies. So that's a quack quack oops as well. So one winner there, three units on Ben Stokes at four to one which returns you 15 units plus 15 for Graham Harcastle from the second test match. And I went with 10 on Joe Root to top score for England. Obviously, that didn't come in. I went with um, five on Jason Holder to be the leading bowler for the West Indies, and obviously that didn't come in either. But I did put five on Craig Brathwaite to be the leading batsman for the West Indies in the first innings. So that was five units, a winner at 7-2 to two there. So 17.5, and 22.5, doesn't it? Plus 22 and a half with my stake back. So I'm ahead. I mean, we've obviously got the, uh, the series bets to come at the end of the uh, next podcast when we review the series. But at the moment, on the individual matches, I've taken the lead. So I'm very happy about that. Um, we'll have a look ahead to the markets then for test match number three. Um, got the complication in the bowling markets as we had last week, as we're not quite sure who England are going to pick. And there may be some rotation in the uh, the West Indies lineups as well. But with 20 units, um, as we've mentioned, the match odds of England 1-2, to two, West Indies 7-1, to one, the draw is 11-4. to four. But you can use your 20 units, Graham, on any of those markets on that match that you, you fancy. You can have as many bets as you like involving those 20 units. How are you going to spend them this time? You can get a little bit stuffed, can't you, on the, on the kind of top bats and top, certainly top wicket takers, because, you you know, if you go a top wicket taker and, and, and you there's a very good chance that you, your bowler won't play given the rotation. So I quite like to steer clear of, of those markets for both sides, actually. Yep. Um, top batsman, again, you, you know, you can you can be not far off right and then and then get stuff, even, even if somebody gets a century. This is, what, this like, is what you call betting, Graham. It's how, <laughs> that's yeah, how it works, yeah, mate. <laughs> I, yeah. On that basis, I quite like the Joe Root to score a century in the match. Cause I, I wouldn't want him to score a century and then Dom Sibley or, or somebody like that kind of pips him by two runs. So, so at least at least you're kind of edging your edging your bets in some way, aren't you? There, I, I fancy Root actually. I really do to come good. That's so, it. Seven to two for Joe Root to score a hundred in the uh, in the in the match. How many of you twenty yeah, are going to stick on? I that? think I'll have five, and then I'm going to go back to a bet that I had in the first test and that was Shea Hope. He's looked terrible, hasn't he? Absolutely awful. Yeah, but I'm going to give him one last chance and go two units on him top back. I mean, everybody's got a last chance in this series, haven't they, I suppose. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to back him for that. So then I've got three units, haven't I? So that's Shea Hope, um, that's Shea Hope at 7-2 to two to be the, the leading West Indies batsman in the first yeah, innings. That's, yeah. that's two. I'll go for five on Joe Root, man of the match. Steering clear, I'm steering clear of Stokes because I've just got, I've just got a sneaking feeling he might not play. Okay. I just wonder whether he just got like a little bit of an injury. Well, he or said, two. he said not in his post match. He did say that he was fine. At some point, they have to rest him, don't they? That's my one worry with Stokes. He always looks like he's a dive or a or a, a strenuous throw or something away from being injured. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't quite agree with that. I mean, he's a fairly robust individual. Yeah, but, he, but he always looks like he's limping or something's about to fall off him. Because, I mean, he puts himself... He, does, he just does so much, Well, exactly, he? he puts um, himself but, about so much, doesn't he? But, I, but they've got to rest him at some point, and I just wonder whether they might think to themselves, well, we've got somebody like Chris Wokes, who could, who could kind of step into his shoes, fall pretty well. Here's an opportunity to just, just give him a bit of a rest. 
Stokes, Root and Co. aren't playing against Ireland in the one day as they've announced that squad and Root, they're, they're not playing. They're going to be rested for a week. So that, right, that okay, might be the sorry. time where right. Stokes gets his recuperation period. Right. I'm, I'm, st- I'm still going to stay clear of Stokes. So I've got... Eight left. I'm going to stick five on the draw. I think the rain may come a little bit more than you perhaps think. And then three left. Oh, God. Um, come back to me. I'm running out of ink here, writing these down. <laughs> yeah, you've had that many. Come back to me. Well, I'm going to avoid the outright markets. I think England win, but one to two on a series where the West Indies have a puncher's chance. I'm not sure it's a it's the sensible way in. It's not a big enough price um, for me, really. Going to go into the England batting markets. I went with Root last time, and I know this is kind of going along the same route as you, but I'm going to go, no pun intended, I'm not going to play the century market. I'm just going to play Root to top score. I think that first test will get get the juices flowing again. I think he'd be back to the route we know and love in the, the third test match. He's 11-4, to four, which is a little bit skinny because I don't think he, he looked like an 11-4 to four shot in the second test match. But I'm going to put five of my units en route to top score in the England first innings at 11-4. to four. I'm going to go into the, the West Indies markets as well and I'm not going to give up on him. Shamra Brooks, I just love watching him bat. Everything I said in that first podcast is what he is. He's elegant. If the ball's bad, he's not afraid to give it a good old clout to the boundary, and it's usually a graceful shot. He's tight in defence. He plays spin well. He's got a little bit of everything, Shamra Brooks. Fifth in the market, because Shai Hope, your your friend, who has done nothing and shown nothing, nowhere near the quality of Shamra Brooks in this series, is always so short, it pushes Brooks out. And that's got to make him worthwhile having a look at. So I'm going to have five units on Shamra Brooks at uh, 11 to 2. And I'm hoping that he gets a massive double century. And he also lands me the uh, the series market because he's not too <laughs> far behind in that one either. He keeps getting 50s, doesn't he? A um, couple of 60s in this test match. He got a, a, you know, a few runs in the last one. He's not out of the equation in terms of the West Indies leading run scorer in the series. And then I'm going to come down to the uh, the player of the match market. So I, I like these because it always gives you a little bit of a shout. I mean, my Don Bess one last time didn't quite work out. I actually think with Don Bess, I really like Don Bess and it was good to see him take the, the winning wicket and that catch by Ollie Pope was something special. But I wonder if in the third test match they might actually go with Jack Leach. There's a lot of talk about the fact that the West Indies have so many right-handers and it doesn't necessarily suit Don Bess. It might suit Leach more. They might even rotate the spinner um, this time around so I'm going to avoid him I I wonder I think Jimmy Anderson will come back into the side and he will be rested and he'll be hungry again I mean they're all going to be hungry aren't they because it's a big game I, I think Jimmy on his on his home service that he knows really well might be a bit of a player to be player of the match and if it's a little bit nip and tuck and it might be a bit even between a number of players he maybe gets the nod because it's his home ground and there might be a little bit of favouritism shown his way. So Jimmy Anderson to be player of the match at 7-1 to one is going to take five of my units as well. Quality bowler. Um, so that's all I need to say. Everybody knows that. He's the leading England wicket-taker of all time. Easy peasy. And then I'm going to go for a little bit of a redemption song story. If Joffre plays, um, he comes back in. He's up against his former countryman in the in the West Indies, um, he knows a lot of the team. He's been isolated, fed on raw meat in a dark room for five days, COVID tested twice. They release him from that uh, prison room almost. Um, I mean, the Trafford Lodge, it's a nice place, but it's not somewhere I'd want to spend five days without getting out too much. I know he's had a bit of a trot around the net area, but for Joffre Archer to be the player of the match and to come back strong, 
is a nine to one shot, and that's where the final five of my money is going to go. I'm going to go my other three. I'm going to go Jason Holder, top West Indies bowler. Do you know what? That's going to land because I've had that the last two test matches and I've avoided it this time. So you're <laughs> going to pick it and it's going to land, isn't it? <laughs> um, I, I, I just think that, that he's looked the most robust of the seamers. He's almost, it's unfair to say he's going to be carrying their, their team. Um, I, I, don't, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but he's, He's gonna, he's gonna really want to, to kind of lift his side, isn't he? And it, yeah. and and hopefully from that point of view, he kind of leads by example, and everybody follows him. So, so yeah, Jason Holder, top West Indies bowler, first inning. All right, I'll give you a bit of a recap on the uh, the bets that we've had there because there's quite a few listeners. So if you want to write these down and and play along yourself, you can take us on this time in the third Test match. Five for Graham on route to score a century at seven to two. Two for Shy Hope to be the top that, West Indies that, bat. That, that's in the match, isn't it? Century in, route century in the match. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. It's not just first innings. Yeah, you yeah. don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't have to underline. It's just because yeah. you don't think I got it right last time. <laughs> Shy Hope to be the top West Indies bat seven to two. And um, five on Joe Root to be man of the match at six to one. Five on the draw at eleven to four, and Graham's last three go on Jason Holder to be the top West Indies bowler in the first innings at one hundred to thirty. I've got four sets of five, and that's Root to be the leading England batsman at eleven to four. Brooks to be the top West Indies batsman at eleven to two, and then two in the player of the match. That's five on Anderson at seven to one, and Joffre Archer at nine to one. When we come back next week. We will dig out the the series bets that we had to see if we've got anybody there that's anywhere close. Obviously, our score predictions went out the window when the West Indies won the first Test match, but we've got a few runners and riders in the various batting and bowling markets as well. Um, just before I let you go, though, Graham, it's been a terrific series, this. I, 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 I love the West Indies coming over to England. It's not been quite the same without a crowd and, and everything else going on. I'm on a couple of um, Facebook groups with um, West Indian fans, and I've been doing them up a little bit and they've been sludging me but the I get the feeling and I I don't want this to sound as if Englishmen don't care England want to win the series but I think the the West Indies really care about the Wisdom Trophy they're very proud that they hold it at the moment and it would mean a hell of a lot to them if they could take it back so if you're right and it rains a bit and they're able to take the draw that would be a huge plus for a team that's come over helped us out during covid it's almost like a fitting end to their tale for them to take the uh, the trophy back on the plane I obviously don't from an english point of view don't want to see that happen but we said um at the end of the first test match that I didn't really care about the result really and it's almost like that in the series that if west indies win this series and they play the better cricket more than happy to wave them off, say thank you very much, and just celebrate the fact that we've had three test matches after such an absence. Yeah, it's been, it's been a great series, hasn't it? Really, really competitive, engaging, attacking, exciting cricket, and that's that's exactly that's exactly what you want. It's, it's perhaps more than we could have hoped for, and I don't think we've all viewed it like that just because there hasn't been any cricket. You know what I mean? It's, mm. It has genuinely been a fantastic series, quality-wise. So yeah, and I don't think that they care any more than England do. However, I, I see your point in the fact that they are an emerging nation again, aren't they? In, in cricket, in, in Test cricket, in terms they've all, they've always been a very dangerous and powerful white ball side, even through this kind of lull in, in their Test quality. But they are really starting to emerge again with some exciting players, and that's great to see. I think from the West Indies' point of view, I mean. I'm obviously trying to speak for them, and that's wrong of me. But the 
I get the feeling that that, that, that may maybe see their biggest rivalry as being England because of the colonial history and the you know all the various things that have gone on. Whereas our biggest rivalry is English people is Australia, isn't it? And then probably increasingly India because they're a powerhouse in in the world. And the West Indies have slipped down the down the pecking order a little bit. So I think I think they do see this one as a really important series. And good luck to them. It's all even, one apiece, going into the final Test match at Old Trafford. And the uh, the West Indies fans out there could easily get their wish of seeing Jason Holder clutching onto that Wisdom Trophy come the end of it. Graham Harcastle, I will let you get back to playing princesses with your lovely daughter. Thank you for joining me again. No problem. Take care. And thank you out there as well. Uh, if you're going to bet on these and you're going to follow us on any of these tips, please gamble responsibly. Thanks to tvsportsblog.com for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. I've been James, the Cricket Badger, and you can join me next time when I bring you the next edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. Podcast Network.